everybody. Welcome to episode four of Granite Town Media's Inside Milford, a podcast spotlighting the people who make our local government here in Milford function. My guest today is Lincoln Daly, Milford's Community Development Director. Lincoln has been in this position since late 2015. Is that right, Lincoln? Yes, that's correct. I found that on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a little over four years he's been there, although you do have a prior stint in Milford. This is my second tour of duty. Second tour of duty. <laughs> so, Lincoln, as, as we had discussed beforehand, kind of the point of this podcast, I wanted to talk to different town leaders, department heads, and give the listeners an opportunity to learn about positions and functions that they may not know about, mm. that may not know what you know what it is and it strikes me that community development is a perfect example of that that a lot of people may not know exactly what that position entails and what you do for the town so with that why don't we well first welcome welcome thank you for coming and um why don't you kick off with that like what what is a community development director what is your position in a nutshell so basically in a nutshell my role is to help manage the development uh development of the community itself and to work on econ initiatives but also land use policies that advance kind of the vision and goals and, and, and character of the community in a very beneficial way. Okay so how big is your department? The department's comprised of uh, uh, zoning, planning departments, uh, building, health, environmental programs, econ development. So it's comprised of, of several several different departments and have a total of eight employees. Okay I didn't realize that health was part of yours. It, it's it's a function of the community development office. It's really the the, the health officers are basically uh, uh, the fire department. Essentially, we ha- we have okay. to help them uh, enforce the health 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 regulations. What is a typical day in the life of community development director? It actually, it varies by day by day. It's never the same, and it depends on time of the year, the various projects we work on as 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 as, as an individual, but also within our department. Uh, but typically, it, it involves working with community leaders. Uh, with zoning, with with uh, uh, committees, boards, and local officials, uh, also the business community. Um, so it, it may just depend on the day and type of project, uh, but mainly as I help manage the entire office. Recently, you've hired a new town planner. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference? And this is new, um, at least new for you. We've had town planners in the past. Um, what what's the difference between a town planner and a community development director? Yes. Uh, the structure of the department has uh, changed a little bit. When I was first brought on in four years ago, is the role of town planner, community development official was all into, put into one one role. I wore many different hats. Um, through demand and need for trying to advance policies and, and uh, initiatives in our community, there was a need for a town planner. A town planner focuses more on the immediate land use policies and uh, developments within our community. Uh, they, they, his or her role, in this case, it's, it's we have a nice a new woman on board. Um, her role is to work with the planning board to advance land use development policies, and uh, which may entail working with them on the master plan, which we'll be talk, talk about later on, obviously. Uh, but work on the day to day operations of, of land use development in our community. Zoning. What exactly? To the layperson, what is zoning? What, what, why is it there? What's the purpose of it? What is our zoning like? Good question. Zoning is it's a way in which the town or cities control the physical development of land, the kinds of uses which we place within a building or structure and on the property itself. 
zoning laws typically specify the areas in which residential, industrial, commercial, uh, agricultural activities may take place. For example, we have three different residential zoning districts, and I'll go into those, those in a second. Uh, in one district, it may allow for single-family detached homes. In other districts, it may allow for those, but also, in addition, allow for multifamily. So it's a way for us to, to categorize and organize land uses in a compatible way around the community. So they're, they're geographically set aside. So one area of town, you can do one thing. One area of town, you do another thing. That's correct. Okay. Uh, but also, zoning laws also look at or regulate dimensional requirements. For example, where can you actually physically locate a building on your property, on the, for the property lines? It also may regulate the, the height, of, height of structures, the density, how big a property can be, the minimum lot size with, within a certain areas of town a, a parcel can be. It also looks to uh, regulate how, for, for example, how we extract natural resources, uh, sand pits, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, the most, most current one that people may be familiar with is the Brock's property. Uh, there are also other small runs around the community also. But also it looks to, to manage and preserve and regulate our natural resources in our in our in our in our town, such as wetland resource areas, open space, uh, natural habitat. So it really it's a broad broad kind of scope of regulations to look at try to to regulate certain uses in our community. So like if we didn't have zoning, nothing would stop say your next door neighbor from putting a McDonald's in his property. Well, it's it's interesting to bring that up, bring up that point because the further north you go in New Hampshire, the, the less regulations there are. Mm -hmm. Um, and in some cases, you can physically do that, go down to your local town hall and, and potentially get a permit to build a commercial use. That's actually an interesting point. Is zoning required? No, uh, because as I just pointed out, is uh, towns have different ways in which to regulate land uses in their community. Milford decided to adopt a zoning ordinance back in the 1960s, early 70s, uh, and from that's been modified several times and evolved over time uh, to, to adapt to the changing wants and desires of the community. Okay, so it would be permissible if some town wanted to be the Wild West and no holds barred. That's, that's permissible from the state's point of view? It's up to the community to, to regulate how they the govern land uses. Yeah, although I'm sure there's all sorts of other regulations for uh, groundwater and things like that. Yeah, th that's, that's true, that's, there is. That's, that's true. That the state would get involved. Yeah. So you'd mentioned the types of zoning. So let's just talk brief, just so that people know the different types. Residential A. That is, yep. why don't you go ahead yeah, and talk so, about two. So basically we have a total of eight zoning districts, and what that means is each individual zone has a category of uses that can be allowed, permitted in that in that particular zone. And it's really broken down by commercial, industrial, residential, agricultural uses. And within those categories would come our classifications. So for example, uh, we have three residential zoning classifications, residential R, which is what majority of the town lies within. That's kind of the more rural areas of our community, two-acre zoning, your typical two-acre zoning. Then you have Res A and Res B. Um, Res A and Res B allow for increased density, so smaller lot sizes, and they vary the types of uses that are allowed within that district. And Res B, I believe, you can actually have some commercial, mixture of commercial uses blended in with, with residential uses. And same thing with residential A. Okay, so just to give people a perspective, uh, residential R, I'm just thinking we don't have a zoning map here, but that would be like out uh, the Mile Slip area town, maybe south of the bypass. Um, yeah, I think basically a mile out. <laughs> a mile out. <laughs> from, okay. the from, from the center of town typically is the residential R area. Okay. And, and as you get closer to the commercial corridors of our community on Nashua Street, Elm Street, 
uh, and, and Route 13, it changes its designation from commercial to other types of so uses. So like Res A then would be areas like down by Shepherd Park, East Milford, yes. um, yeah, um, West yeah. Street, yeah. Osgood Road. That's correct, right. Maybe not Osgood. Not Osgood U- Road. Union, Union down here. But definitely West West Street um, uh, near the high school area, schools area. Okay. So that would be Res A. And Res B, like you said, is multifamily. So that would be the Power Street, Tonella Road. Yeah, that's pretty close, area. right. Okay, so what about commercial and industrial? So commercial, we have two major categories or classifications. It's commercial, which is commercial C, and then integrated commercial business. And the commercial zone is probably the most flexible or allows the most types of uses within the district. Multifamily, ranges from multifamily to to larger and small commercial uses. The integrated commercial business district is more of a, a transitionary zone to allow some business uses uh, that are compatible with the abutting residential uses. And for industrial, we have three uh, three classifications: uh, industrial, uh, indust- integrated commercial industrial one, and, and ICI two. And that's just basically the intensity allowed the intensity allowed for types of industrial uses. So commercial, again, I'm just trying to, I've got some notes here on where I believe. So the commercial, examples of commercial areas would be like uh, Elm Street down towards Haywards, that kind of direction. Correct. That's all commercial. The downtown area is also commercial. South Street. South Street, portions of South Street, and also on Nashua Street, too. Out by Shaw's, right? Right. Whereas limited commercial, that would be more... Nashua Street, probably. Yeah, so basically, it's it's where the plaza is on Nashua Street. That's that's the the County Shores Plaza. That's correct, right, and going uh, uh, eastward. Okay. Overlay districts. What are overlay districts? So we have um, our basic, as I mentioned before, the basic underlying zoning. That's that's where we just kind of discussed a few moments ago. The overlay districts are additional regulatory standards or guidelines that overlay all of the town or portions of the town based on its its, its intended use. Uh, we have, I think, also seven overlay districts in total. They range from environmental-based um, overlay districts, like, such as wetland, trying to regulate wetland resource areas, uh, stormwater management, uh, floodplain. Um, we also have additional zoning-based regulations that really try to uh, encourage a certain kind of development to occur within certain portions of the town. Uh, most notably, we have two uh, basically um, uh, corridor-based uh, types of, of, of overlays. One is the uh, Nashua Elm Street Overlay District, which is focuses on portions of Elm Street and heading uh, into town and along Nashua Street. Uh, and then we have the Community Commerce Overlay District, which is really geared more towards the western side of town <clears throat> and for it's really geared for larger types of scale develop multiple acres a larger kind of scale of commercial industrial and, and, and residential uses we also have the west i guess the west elm overlay district also that focuses on the west side of town um, to improve the the introduction of of of, of people and and individuals into our town by improving the quality of, of development in that area so those are largely standards, almost aesthetic standards that make that the buildings look better in that area. For the West Elm and the National right. Street, yes. But for the okay. wetland, for the uh, uh, floodplain management ones, those are environmentally based to try to, to make sure that uses don't impact those types of natural resources. Okay, great. So a good example of that uh, is one I'm, I just happen to be familiar with recently was 
the Dollar General's drugs sure. that's yep. coming into, into uh, <coughs> over by the the mills and I don't know what street that is, but the, it's Wilton Road. Wilton Road yep. heading into Wilton. Correct. Um, the um, the planning board required that they do a lot of aesthetic things to that building. Why don't you talk about what the, the things that? Yeah. So. Um, we, our collective role is to, to provide the best quality development that's a lot permitted in that, in that particular zone of the area of town. Uh, Dollar General came before the board with a kind of standard kind of development um, that we've seen in other communities. We felt that that didn't meet uh, our current standards for and development guidelines. So working back and forth as a collaborative process, uh, we were able to to work with Dollar General and our representatives to change the overall look of that building to be more uh, conducive with the kind of uh, colonial or more uh, rural nature of, of that portion of town, while maintaining the the kind of the the intent of the Dollar Gen the brand of the Dollar General business. Uh, as a result, is uh, because of the guidelines and development regulations. It did require some architectural improvements that I spoke about earlier, but also required them to do offsite improvements and also to, to make sure that elements such as landscaping and lighting are consistent with an area that kind of blends into the area. It's not a, an eyesore. It's what kind of blends into the quality and adds to the quality of life. And a lot of those were required because of the overlay. That's correct, right. So not only did Dell General have to comply with the underlying zoning district, which was ICI, ICI 1, but also the, the West Elm Street overlay district too. Planning board. So what, what 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 does the planning board do? Well, Tim, you tell me, since you're <laughs> part of it now. Um, essentially, is the planning board reviews development development projects and in compliance with the development regulations of the community and also zoning ordinance. Uh, the role also is to really advance uh, land use policies and work with the, plan the town planner, myself, to advance land use uh, policy initiatives that will improve the quality of life in our community. So they play a, a big role, and I think we're, we're very fortunate to have a very vested and a very experienced board in place that really is interested in, 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 in moving the town forward in a very positive way. And, and the planning board isn't just a advisory board. It's a there's uh, statutory responsibilities, correct? Uh, they are a land use regulatory board, so they're given the authority to approve and deny uh, land use applications and also work with the town to uh, develop land use policies. So they play a very important role. So what's the criteria in general for having to come to the planning board? I suspect if I, if I want to build a shed in my backyard, I come get a building permit, sure. but I probably don't have to go to the planning board. At what point do I have to go to the planning board? That's a great, that's a great question. We actually get that quite often, is what point do we have to get a building permit to do something on our property? Uh, typically speaking, anything larger than 200 square feet requires a building permit. But it may not necessarily require planning board approval. Uh, we have uh, criteria that uh, uh, provide some flexibility, but also allow um, individuals to, to, to develop on their property. So at a certain size, if it meets certain criteria, requires the individual uh, property owner to go before the planning board for approval for a project. But typically speaking, anything under 200 square feet, it's, you're pretty much, you're, you're good to go. <laughs> what about the zoning board, the ZBA, Zoning Board of Adjustment? Yes, so the planning board, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll answer planning board first and I'll go in the zoning board in a second. Okay. The planning board, their role is to look at 
properties. How can a property be developed, be subdivided, be developed in some some certain way? The ZBA's role is more about looking at the use, looking at the zoning ordinance, looking at the zoning classifications I spoke of earlier, and seeing if, if the proposed use fits in with the, with, the, with the allowed uses in that particular zone. So similar to planning board, they've taken applications uh, for looking at uses to approve or deny uses on, on property. But does every um, every plan have to go to the zoning board? Not necessarily. Uh, if it's a permitted use, if it's within the categories that's allowed in that district, no, they don't have to. And that would be staff's decision. That's correct. Um, and so, so when we speak with somebody or, or are contacted by somebody uh, who asks those relevant questions, we guide them through the process. And I'm going to talk about later on, obviously. But not every not every project has to go before the ZBA. Only those projects that aren't allowed in that, the uses that aren't allowed in that area. All right. Um, since we've been through that, the planning and the zoning, I thought it be fun to take an example, kind of like a use case of a recent project. I was trying to think of a, a pr recent project that started and completed and has been through the whole the whole process, just to kind of, you know, not to get into details about what, what they did, but just, you know, how the process works. So I was thinking of the, the new uh, contemporary Chrysler building down on Hammond okay. Road. Yep. Can you just kind of walk through, like, how does a project like that happen? You know, uh, somebody comes to your office and says, hey, I want to build a a car dealership yeah. and, and what do they do yeah typically it starts with a just a general conversation and as you contact our office and this is what typically happens uh, a prospective uh, uh, property owner or a developer approaches us and says hey what do you think about this uh, will it fit in this area are there any kind of major roadblocks which we may see or encounter along the way and what is the process for us to get this get this going get this approved and so my role is to work with those individuals to guide into the process along with the town planner <clears throat> and to receive plans, uh, provide guidance with them, and also some, some input. And it's a back-and-forth process for usually a few months. Um, with staff. With know. staff, okay. right, before, because before it comes an official application before the planning board or the land use board. Uh, we work with those individuals on a, on a pretty consistent and and. Uh, consistent basis and f from the genesis of that uh, that ongoing discussion and communication is eventually it's a formal application before the planning board or zoning board and or zoning board and or conservation commission so uh, in this case the the, the the contemporary auto project involved all three <laughs> um, take a step back is um, very fortunate again some of the, with the with the planning board representatives my st community development staff is a dedicated group of individuals who are very very vested in trying to produce the best and work with the individuals and produce the best project possible so our kind of mantra is how do we get the yes within the regulatory environment how do we get the yes and so we'll work with those individuals uh, the developers uh, the contractors to make sure that they're brought to the process and got in a certain way that it's, it works, it's, it, it fits within the concept and construct of our environment and our built environment, and it'll be a, a true benefit to the community. So taking that approach, it, it improves communication with the developers as opposed to we're, we're not the adversary, we're not, we're not the mm -hmm. bad guys in the situation. We're more of a, a means to accomplish their goals. Um, so through this ongoing dialogue with, with, with the various parties, representatives of that company, uh, they eventually provide a formalized plan, uh, a site plan, 
the site plan basically is a, is a, is a map, uh, a plan of the development itself that deals with many elements. One, the architectural, the building, landscaping, the physical layout of the property itself, the parking lots, the drainage, any kind of environmental impacts uh, that you may, that may encounter along the way. Um, th this project had a few cur this project had a few curveballs cur associated with it, um, some that were out of our control as a town. So they came before the planning board for the site plan itself, and with that, the planning board reviews the application uh, from from soup to nuts. Uh, they see they, they examine the, the the many elements of a site plan requirement: stormwater management, parking, traffic, the overall visual impact of the site itself, landscaping. Uh, and also taking into consideration um, how it may impact the general neighborhood and, and roadway network. This also required, because it it, it, it abutted or is next to um, wetland resource areas, they had to go before the Conservation Commission and the Zoning Board of Adjustment uh, because it, it, it had it actually impacted the wetland resource areas. Not in, not in a negative way, just it was abutting it and, and within, had, was within a certain distance and required additional input from both the ZBA and, and Conservation Commission. Um, so tangential to the planning board process, we, I, we also, our office, our office also works with the Conservation Commission and ZBA in a similar process, an ongoing dialogue and to receive input from both boards to improve the overall quality of that project. The curveball I spoke of was um, after the planning board reviewed it um, and gave approval, um, we found out there, are, there was a sensitive uh, species, a bat species out there that uh, they were unable to start construction after it, it completed its process until the, the bats left their nest or roost or what, what, what have you. So it was a six month delay in the construction process. So, so basically they go before the planning board, go to the various land use boards, and there's a overall discussion about the application itself and then the various boards and, and commissions rule positively favorably on, on an application. And then you stay involved through the plant, yeah. the building phase as well. So it doesn't, doesn't stop after approval. So, um, that's just kind of a, 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 one element of the overall process itself. So my office, um, we're responsible for uh, inspections and review during and post-construction of, of that overall project. Um, so we were on site during construction. Our inspectors were there on a consistent basis, reviewing, uh, inspecting the overall site, the interior of the building itself. My role was to, to, to inspect the exterior of the entire site along with the building itself to make sure that it was being developed according to the, the approved plan set. Nice, and that turned out to be a very nice um, a nice project. I think it, it'll be a nice anchor for further development in that area. I was gonna <coughs> talk about the sign ordinance later, but it just occurred to me it's probably a good example when does the sign ordinance in a, in, a, in a company like that? I would think that you know they want it, want visibility. Uh, what what are some of the uh, uh, restrictions for the, from the sign ordinance? Yeah, so, so the sign ordinance was was revamped um, or um, amended earlier this year in 2019 to address a, 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 a Supreme Court case. Um, but as as a result of of that reexamination of our ordinance, we hopefully simplified it a little bit and made it easier for people to understand. But I think to your, to your question, Tim, is that uh, location of a sign is, is dictated by the, our zoning ordinance. The size of the sign is dictated depending on the kind of sign uh, it, that it is. A freestanding, you see those big signs uh, on the side of the street versus a wall sign, which is a fixed. The actual building has different size requirements 
depending upon the zone. So going back to the zoning ordinance, depending on what zone you are, that may dictate the size and location of signs. Um, so is this a good time to talk about the master plan? Sure. What, what, what is our master plan? What do we use it for? The master plan is a policy framework for decisions that affect the physical, social, and economic environment of the town. Uh, the plan provides vision, direction, and defined achievable future for the town by establishing goals and objectives and strategies for land use, uh, community appearance and design, housing and neighborhoods, jobs and economic vitality, uh, transportation, public services, facilities, natural resources, open space, it goes on and on and on, recreation, history, arts, culture, and also regional coordination with our neighbors. Um, it's updated typically every five years, and the planning board is the uh, primary regulatory board that uh, works to, to revise, amend, uh, and adopt uh, new sections of the master plan. Uh, most recently, in 2016-17, uh, the town adopted a new recreation chapter, and going forward, I can plug this a little bit, is going forward is over the next year we plan to add a add a uh, econ development chapter to our master plan also uh, with the help of the board of selectmen basically it's a policy document that really kind of guides it's a it's a uh, a pathway for us to achieve a vision that we see for our for our town okay so we've talked now a lot about the nuts and bolts of the business what what let's just talk about the town and and your goals and your your desires for um from Milford, what would you? How would you describe Milford today? What are what are the what are our assets? Um, what are our challenges? You know, what 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 are we missing? Sure. No, I, I I'm encouraged by uh, Milford. When I first took the position, um, I saw Milford as a great has great opportunities, uh, uh, un, un, untapped uh, opportunities, um, and over the past four years, I think we've seen a dramatic growth uh, in our community in a very positive way. Uh, our downtown is kind of, it's, a, it's re reinvigorated. Mm -hmm. We're seeing more uses in the downtown area. Um, our industrial base is also growing too with the $85,000 85, square foot addition of Hitchner, mm -hmm. bringing 70 plus jobs in the area is, is, a, is, a, is a great boost for the local economy and also for the corporation itself. So I think some of the strengths are, I think it's a very strong, strong community. It's, it's, it's a vested community. And I think people really who live, work, and play in Milford really enjoy it. And that's, that's you don't see that very often. Uh, I agree. Um, there are other bedroom communities that you typically just live there and drive to work. And, and there's, no, there's no interest in, in, in trying to improve the quality of life in, in a community. Milford, I think, is different. And that's, that's a true strength and, and an attribute that it's very rare to see. Mm -hmm. um, I think having a downtown, a flourishing downtown, is, a, is another strength of the, of the community. That it's it's a gem of, of the area that draws a lot of people to, to, to Milford in a very positive way. Um, it was interesting. I had a, a discussion with a, a recent uh, business that moved into the downtown area, and uh, this business drew in uh, uh, individuals from from Boston area. And the reaction was, "Wow, this is a great great downtown. This is a great community." And, oh. And that was that. that That's that got to go on your brochures. <laughs> that was a, a great, uh, just yeah, a little advertisement, a little plug. But it, it's, I think it's true that people really enjoy being in Milford, and it's a, it shows. It definitely, it very shows. My goal is, is to capitalize on that, and, and we have a great, a lot of momentum with a lot of projects, which I, I can go on later on, obviously, 
that our people want to move forward, want to improve, want to do things, and, and that's that's great. Um, are we miss what, Are we missing anything? I think one of the challenge is. Although we have many, many draws to our to our town, whether it be for for commercial, industrial, residential, and, and a thriving downtown, we're just off that beaten path a little bit. And I think there's opportunity to to recruit more businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think add more diversity to our community, um, housing opportunities, uh, commercial opportunities, industrial opportunities. I think are untapped right now. Uh, and that's what my role is going to be: is work with the board, work with the town administrator, board, with the planning board, to really try to recruit those businesses into into Milford. Um, and something that the town administrator and I have started to do is, and not only recruit but also business retention is is important. Mm-hmm. And I think we have started our, a process where we're actually are reaching actually meeting with the various our corporate citizens in our community and and having an open dialogue with them and asking. What do you need? And the response has been very, very positive. Parking. <laughs> <laughs> Parking is one, in the downtown is one of the things we're going to discuss later on. But mm-hmm. I'm just going to just highlight an example is kind of a change in mentality is, is getting outreach. Reach out to our, our corporate residents and our citizens in our community and, and engage them. And I think that it has proven to be very beneficial. And I'm not saying this is the only reason why this occurred, but I think it was an element to, sh- to illustrate that we are open for business. We want to work with our, our residents, our, our corporate individuals to, to encourage development in a very positive way. And Hitchner is, our, is my example. Is Hitchner, uh, when they're contemplating about how to expand their, their operations, and they're busting at the seams, and that's, that's a reality. So when they were considering um, how do we expand, where do we expand, they had other opportunities, better opportunities, realistically better op- financial opportunities. And through the efforts of the town, working with state officials and the governor, we worked together to provide a package that in the end, it was comparable and it was a draw of Milford. It was there, there long standing in Milford, the communication with, our, with the town itself that, that uh, uh, convinced them to stay in, in Milford. And it's been a huge benefit and they've been a great corporate citizen for our community, so. I agree, that's a great example of um what you guys do what about multifamily i mean that that that's a tough topic that's a tough one it's <laughs> a, a tough topic it's a double-edged sword a lot of people don't like multifamily but we also need affordable housing the so cha- how yeah. do you do that how do you balance that it's so many layers to that question yeah. um and first and foremost that uh new hampshire is becoming an older older state the second oldest uh, oldest state in the entire country and we're also seeing, I saw a report recently that New Hampshire is, is attractive for millennials now. So you have our senior, senior uh, residents looking for the same, looking at downsides, looking at the same kind of affordable housing in some cases, and the millennials are looking to move into the area, mm-hmm. competing for the same very small, small resource, inventory of housing. So housing is a very, very challenging topic. And you uh, put it very nicely saying that's a double-edged sword where Milford housing stock is basically half single-family, half multifamily, which is on par with a Merrimack. With, with a Nashua is a little more, ex- little more extreme, a little uh, more towards multifamily. But half and half is a really hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> hard uh, way to, uh, to, to operate, obviously. And the newer resident, new, newer uh, multifamily are 
somewhat I mean, outpricing <laughs> individuals now. So the market is such so, so is such a high demand for these types of uses. So going back to the master plan, part of the part of the, uh, our efforts to, to revise the housing chapter is to examine this issue, to have a, a basically an out, outreach session to our community, saying, do you, do you want more? What kind of housing do you want? Do you want more multifamily? Do you do you do you want to look at types of regulatory policies that that encourage affordable housing? Um, and just 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 for our own implication, uh, is affordable housing is is geared towards people that make a make a percentage of the median income for for this general area. Um, and in this case, I think the median income is over a hundred thousand dollars for for this for this area. Wow. Um, so percentage of that, obviously. So so. We're talking, talking me. <laughs> uh, I would probably mostly qualify for for, for for this kind of housing, and and that's 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 our our teachers, our our, right. our, our firemen. So it's there's often a, a negative stigma associated with affordable housing, but it's it's in high demand, and we need to look at ways to encourage that to happen. Um, so it's it's a fine balance, and often I hear is uh, with the, with the larger multifamily developments. Oh, that's ugly. It's changing the character of our community. Well, how else are you make a, how, uh, how else are you going to offer a alternative housing for individuals who want to live in Milford, mm-hmm. who can benefit and, and want to use the resources and services of Milford in a very positive way and add to the community itself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I will add that it's a goal of the planning board this year to, yeah. to address that. So yeah, it's a difficult uh, thing. So did you want you had mentioned earlier that you had some other? I've been doing a lot of talking, uh, asking a lot of the questions. Did you have some? Uh, initiatives that you want to talk about? And- I, I do. So um, New Hampshire, unfortunately, has a, a, a limited uh, toolbox of uh, econ development po- uh, initiatives to really encourage development in communities. And uh, Milford has been uh, very aggressive, and that's part of uh, what, what our role is, uh, my role is, to, to really look at ways to, to, fu- to encourage development in our community in a very positive way. So um, we adopted two economic de- economic initiatives that were uh, put forth by, uh, by the state. Um, one is called the Community, Re- community Re- Revitalization Program, and that's really geared towards uh, commercial and residential uses in the downtown area. And the idea behind that is uh, if a person des- or a de- property owner decides to uh, improve a property or construct, redevelop a property, there are tax exemptions on the increased assessed value of those improvements over a period of time. Um, there's also an, a similar one for industrial properties. Hitchner was the first company to take advantage of that, and they were able to save a substantial amount of money over over their over their construction period for that project. But to be clear, we're not. It's not a tax break in the sense that we're not getting any less taxes. No, no. no. So, so yeah, good, good distinction. I appreciate that. So they're still assessed at that same ta- same value. Uh, what they're what they're forgiven on is the increased value over the assessed value for a period of time. So the town's still in receiving benefits, and when that that period is done, they'll re- be reassessed at that higher value, and, and the town will get taxes from that. So it gives them an incentive to do something that they might not have done otherwise. Correct. And the Savannah program was taken was utilized by the property at One Nashua Street. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the the Colonel Shepherd Building, also the Montessori School, took advantage of it also, and they received some substantial tax incentives to to revamp and, and revitalize those properties. It's open to the public, and if you're a property interested, please contact me. I can explain this in graphic detail. 
so you mentioned a couple other a couple of these projects I just wanted to um, and I'll give you the, the floor later if you had other things you want to talk about just go through a few um, current projects that I'm familiar with maybe there are others that I've missed that maybe you can just give us a quick status on what's going on you mentioned one Nashua Street yeah so my understanding is that uh, the shell is completed the exterior is completed uh, most probably completed but looking for tenants to occupy the building it's basically a three unit structure the top floor which has the very nice exposed or outdoor uh, patio area and then two units below uh, my understanding is they're working towards finding uh, tenants to occupy that building and then it'll be finished off once the tenants that's cor that's correct right that's correct right okay station 101 this is the gas station on the oval that um that used to be a texco station Yep. It's been uh, recently purchased. Can you give, give us a little status on that? Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting project of trying to capture kind of a look and feel of, of a period in, in Milford's history. That, As you know, that used to be a gas station. Um, so the individual bought the property and is going to restore it to uh, using, uh, restore it to a, like a 1960s gas station style type of uh, building with, uh, with authentic period pieces and, and period pumps. Uh, and then it's it's, it's going to be a, a tap bar essentially for local local uh, local beers, so it's going to have a, have a restaurant component, but it's mostly going to be a kind of a, a beer tap room. Nice. Do you know what the time frame is on that? They hope it to be open yesterday, but uh, <laughs> things are going a little <coughs> not going as uh, quickly as they, as they'd hoped. Now, I believe they're doing the work themselves, or a lot, a good good portion of it. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a two-person job, and and uh, the individual uh, has been a pleasure to work with. So I look forward to uh, uh, sampling the wares later on when it's open. As do I. <laughs> uh, Dollar General, we talked about that earlier. The the project down in in West Milford. What is the status on that? I noticed I drove by recently, and they have broken ground. Yep. So they receive all the necessary permits to, to start construction. Um, I think they intended to go start a little earlier, um, but they hope to get the, the shell up this year and be open by early next year. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And for those who don't know, that's right across the street from the, the old Pine Valley Mill uh, next to the new storage, uh, facili uh, storage facility on the way to, to Wilton. South Street, the, the property uh, that's down on South Street, mentioned Contemporary Chrysler there on that property, the big big swath of land. There's a, a new road that we noticed just got paved. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, what's, what's going on with that? So that is um, Nathaniel Drive. That's the name of the road. And that is the road, that, that uh, secondary road that goes behind Contemporary Auto and then continues uh, downward to what is going to be the newly approved uh, Valancourt Roofing Company. Uh, the 9,000 square foot facility that's abutting J.P. Pest and also Contemporary Auto. So that's really meant to be a uh, connector road that may be expanded in the future for future projects, but it's really mainly the, the primary primary access point for Valancourt and, and the properties back there. And I believe that property at least has the potential um, to connect through to Panema Hill Road and possibly even Powers, I believe. Uh, yes, both. Exactly. Um, and water and sewer have been extended on that road, so you may see some other development in the future. Great. It's pretty exciting. Um, Brock's property, specifically the solar farm. Sure. My understanding is that the Board of Selectmen along the town administrator are on the final stages of uh, lease agreement to basically lease about 120 acres uh, to the solar company to construct I think, up, upwards of a 20 megawatt. Yeah, 20 megawatt uh, facility. Um, once that's once the negotiations and everyone signs on the dotted line, 
anticipate them to go, that process to start pretty quickly. Um, it won't happen tomorrow. It's, it still has to go through the regulatory process, both local and state levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may take some time, but uh, I know that the, the board is very eager to get the thing signed and move, moving forward with that. Great. Are there any other projects that, that I haven't mentioned or that you're able to talk about that are on the horizon that we might be interested in? Um, I think the uh, one that's recently uh, and still still going through its construction process is, is the, uh, the Montessori School, the current of a building. Um, it's a great example of a reuse of a facility that it's, it was pretty dormant for a little bit of time. And it was purchased uh, by a, a vested individual in this community um, for the purpose of creating a, a convention center. And also, I guess it's, it's also the location of Zingers, a, a, a comedy type of uh, mm-hmm. uh, bar situation. Um, it's also an opportunity to expand into the bar and back there also for further, for further functions, which is really exciting. Yeah, and I'll add, I was, I was up there, I was fortunate to be there last weekend. Cher had their 40th anniversary no. celebration at that facility, and it's, it's a gorgeous facility. Oh, that's great. They, they did a great job. It's good to hear. Another example of what uh, that we work on, and it's, it's, a typical, it's, it's an untypical project, but it's, it's such, a, such a really great example of community coming together and, and working towards a common goal. And, th- and this was the, people may have seen construction of a, 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 st- a stone stage structure at the, at the former Fletcher site. Uh, now it's referred to as the East Entrance into Keys Memorial Park. Um, that's an example of one, the Fletcher site was, as we all know, a former Superfund site's been cleaned up and a pocket park's been placed on top of it. Uh, we were able to, again, the, the discussion of communication is work with a property owner on Tonello Road that uh, owned a uh, uh, historic stone structure uh, that was used to process and uh, manufacturing of the granite near a quarry. Through discussions with the property owner, uh, we were able to procure that stone and uh, reuse it for the construction of this outdoor stage. And through the kind uh, donation of, of individuals in their community, the stone was moved and then reassembled, and what you see today, um, by uh, it all donated to the town, and it was because of, of the project itself, but also communication and desire of individuals to give back to the community. Uh, yeah, that that's a great. Um, is is even the labor being donated? So everything's being donated. That's everything's being donated. So, are there any names that would be worthy? Uh, uh, not at this juncture. Okay. Because um, the, I like to give credit to creditors too. There's uh, people uh, that really. I'm itching also. I love to, and, and it's a great. But I'm, uh, at this juncture in time, they want to remain anonymous. Okay. Um, but the, the structure will be, will be dedicated to the family donated the stone. Okay. Nice. And we also intend to uh, put up uh, educational and uh, informational signs that highlight the history of that of that structure. So that's a great example. Do you have any approximate time frame on that? And the reason I ask is I was at the, I was watching the board of selectmen meeting last night, and the question was asked if that stage was going to be used for the pumpkin festival. They were told no, they weren't going to. But it just made me think of if it's even the, the time frames match up at all. I I don't think at this stage right now uh, they're putting the, the 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 floor actual stage floor in right now, and we also have to to attach power to it too. So it requires additional steps and. Um, this will be a fully functional performance stage, mm-hmm. um, complete with power, lights, and, and also working on trying to create a, uh, a sail cover that will cover the entire top oh, of it nice. also. 
Um, so we anticipate probably early next year for the, for a grand opening. Um, there'll probably be a soft opening somewhere at point point in time, but right now. Um, also working on the possibility of, of a dog park in the community also. And through a pretty exhaustive process, we looked at various properties in the town that might facilitate a dog park. The dog park would be run and managed by uh, a nonprofit, the New Hampshire, uh, sorry, Milford New Hampshire Dog Park Association, a group of dedicated individuals who've been great to work with, and we're exploring our uh, opportunities on two two major properties. One is the undeveloped area behind Brookstone Manor, uh, next to Keys Memorial Park and 127 Elm Street. And the one we'll, we'll be meeting on with with the residents in that area is a town owns property off the Sahuagin River um, on Sahuagin Street. It's about, I think, five acres, I believe. Um, so those are the two top-rated uh, sites that we had during our evaluation process. And the purpose of the meeting with, with the abutters is to, to kind of vet any kind of concerns or issues and explain kind of the intent of the dog park itself. But again, great opportunity. And it's, with, this was led by some very, very invested volunteers and so thankful for their, their, their outreach. And they've been at it for a while, they which have, is great. And there. that's great. And, Tenacity. Yeah. Okay, so uh, was there anything else you wanted to um, talk about while we're here today? Yeah, there are a couple other, other areas I want to just briefly kind of hit upon. And um, in 2019, the town approved the uh, second phase of the Osgood Pond dredging project. And uh, we recently went out, uh, put out an RF, RFP request for proposal to uh, hire contractors to do that, that process. And um, between the first phase, this, the, the first portion of it and this portion, and, and the idea is that we're going to dredge a total of about 11 acres of, of the pond itself to a depth about six or seven feet. An additional or total? A total. A total of 11 acres. Okay. So the first phase is like five acres. This will be 5.5 acres and that's along those lines. Um, and the idea is to create a kind of habitat for fish and to also offer additional recreational opportunities for fishing and boating and canoeing and kayaking. Um, as, you, as people may have seen, is um, we also were able to, to procure a pier uh, that is something very attractive and very accessible. Um, we're required to adhere to state requirements and regulations towards, for this, this previous phase, but also the current phase. And uh, we hope to move forward probably as early as this fall or at, at the latest early spring of next year. Great. Yeah. In addition is we are working with a uh, committee to look at how to reuse the building at 127 Elm Street. Uh, the town purchased that property in 2014 for the purpose of uh, expanding recreational programs and uses on Keys Memorial Park and also within the town. Um, in 2017, uh, the Keys Memorial Park uh, Advisory Committee uh, provided a report to the Board of Selectmen kind of providing a planning level analysis of, of opportunities and options for that building and that property. Uh, the board wanted more information. So this is kind of the next evolution of that process where we tend, we'll look at um, uh, how what programs the town can offer, should offer, and working collaboratively with our other recreational and, and social uh, uh, nonprofits and for-profit organizations to really kind of hone in on what, what the town needs for space. And lastly, Timmy brought up parking. Parking is a major issue in the downtown area. So we're working, uh, there's been a new form of parking facility committee has been formed recently, uh, comprised of local leaders and also business and property owners in the downtown area 
to really analyze the issue of, of parking demand and what opportunities exist for either uh, to expand parking in the, in the area and also how to rethink how we uh, utilize parking in our downtown area too. And we hope to have something probably by uh, uh, maybe the end of the year have a direction to give to the to provide to the town for a possible study for next year. So this could be anything from just expanded use of ex existing parking to potentially a parking structure. Y yes, anything's on the table. Similar to that, that discussion about housing, parking is as we all know it's it's been the bane of the town's existence for. I've, I've seen, uh, for many, many years, I've seen pictures of, of the early 1900s where you have Model Ts all crammed together in the downtown area. That's that's uh, kind of And the same sometimes thing. you come in on a Monday night and there's a dozen parking yeah. places. So. <laughs> it depends on, on and so part of the, part of the analysis is to uh, use our current resources or technology and um, working with Chris Gentry, our IT, uh, sorry, our uh, community media director, to, uh, for example, fly over the downtown using a drone during different times of the day to really understand when the peak demand is for parking and where, where people are parking around the downtown area. Also working with uh, do, doing surveys of, of um, employers in the downtown to find out where employees park, for example. Um, good or bad or ugly, and sometimes employers, employees park right in front of their operations, which may uh, not allow for uh, residents or customers to use those facilities. So it's, it's a multi-layer process where it looks to work together to find a collaborative solution and really engage our community, our, our business and, and property owners in the downtown to, to find a collective solution. Great, great. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, great. So that is all the time we have for today. Um, thank you once again for joining us. I appreciate it today, Lincoln. I also wanted to thank Chris Gentry, our Granite Town Media media manager. Chris has been our director and audio engineer for this episode. Our theme music today was written and formed by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. You can subscribe to this podcast by going to soundcloud.com slash granitetownmedia. As always, we welcome any and all feedback or suggestions that you may have for future episodes. We invite you to go to Granite Town Media's Facebook page or leave us a comment at the podcast page on soundcloud.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you will join us for future episodes of Inside Milford. Thank you.